The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to the Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Sharesh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we are serving in Wesley Chapel, Tampa, St. Pete, and our newest location, South Bay in Riverview, along with Conexion, our Spanish speaking congregation in Tampa. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 and 910 WTBN, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, we declare our love to you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for what you've given us, what you, what you give us on a daily basis, what you've given us in the past, and, Lord, uh, just your word, which continues to encourage us and strengthen us and your faithfulness through the holy days, the appointed times that we get together with you and we see your glory. So, Lord, we bless you. We thank you. And we pray that this radio program would bless you and bless the people who hear it. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a wonderful time of the year. I love this time. Passover Seders. We had our Passover Seder this past Friday, uh, and it was wonderful. However, uh, if you would still like to get in on a Seder, we have other Seders coming up during the week. So call Karen at 813-831-5673, and we'll see if there's one near you. Uh, Secondly, on May 1st, that's a Sunday evening, it's a special March of Remembrance, Remembering the Holocaust. And we walk for about a quarter of a mile on Bayshore Boulevard, uh, starting at Bay to Bay at 7 p.m., 7 in the evening. So if you need a flyer for your church or if you need more information about that and you'd like to join us, you'd like to stand with us as one against the the uh, the remembrance, so to speak, of uh, you know we are to never forget the Holocaust, and when people forget it, they are really doomed to repeat it. And so, join with us, would you please? And call us at our office. We'll give you the details: eight one three eight three one five six seven three. Last week i believe we reviewed the this this season the spring season with passover at leviticus 23 4 reminder of god's salvation his redemption and going from egypt to the promised land from slavery to uh freedom the feast of unleavened bread reminds us of the sin in our lives and yom habikurim the first fruits in leviticus 23 9 remind us of God's resurrection power, and counting the Omer, which we talked about uh, pretty much all of last week, uh, Leviticus 23.15, reminding us of the need to wait upon the Lord and know that God is using 
this time for our growth. Anybody want to grow? <laughs> we start counting the Omer tonight, actually. But if you want to, uh, we can send you our 70-page Counting the Omer devotional. It's just for a $10 contribution. And for each additional one, if you'd like extras, which I advise, uh, especially if you're inviting people over for a dinner and want everybody to have one, it would be an additional $3 each. Look, this is a great way to grow during this 50-day period and keep God's desire for us to count the days from Passover to Shavuot. Remember that Shavuot, which is Pentecost uh, in most of your language, <laughs> um, Leviticus 23.16, the Feast of Weeks. And it's a reminder that God gave us the law on Mount Sinai, and it's a reminder that in Acts 2, God gave us the power of his Spirit, which allows us to understand his word, his law, and allows us to keep it. It gives us strength. But today, we are going to talk about Passover. You know, Passover is all this week, and uh, the question might be, why do we celebrate Passover? So let's look a little further at Leviticus 23, 5 through 8. During the first month, on the 14th day of the month in the evening, is the Lord's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Matzot, or Matzah, to the Lord. For seven days you are to eat matzah. On the first day you are to have a holy convocation, and you should do no regular work. Instead, you are to present an offering made by fire to Adonai for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation when you are to do no regular work. So this is something that is not uh, the, the, the purpose of this, as it says in this scripture, is it's a feast to the Lord. And so this appointment is an appointment to the Lord. And we should realize that this is something that he has put together for our growth because we are going to focus on him. Now, the feast was declared as a memorial to be kept. How long? Forever. You've got it. In Exodus twelve seventeen, it says, so you are to observe the Feast of Matzot, for on this very same day have I brought your ranks out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you are to observe this day throughout your generations as an eternal ordinance. So, my friends, how long is an eternal ordinance? That's how long we should be celebrating Passover, and I know many of you do. The Hebrew word Pesach means to spring or Passover. It refers to the fact that God passed over the houses of the Jews, preventing the slain of the firstborn of Israel. Now, the word Seder means order and refers to the service we're celebrating. And the booklet we're following is called the Haggadah, which means the telling, and describes the events 
of the Passover story. So after the Exodus, the most celebrated Passover Seder was with Yeshua, Jesus, and his Talmidim, his disciples. Wouldn't you agree? Their Seder, on the night prior to his crucifixion, included the lamb in Luke 22.8, bitter herbs, Matthew 26.23, the washing in John 13.1-15, and matzah, Matthew 26.26. We'll look at this later. Let's start by looking at how is the home prepared for Passover. Well, in Exodus 12.15, it says that we are to remove leaven. So in the home, preparations begin with the removal of all leavened foods, foods with yeast or leaven. It's called in Hebrew chametz. During the eight days of our Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread, only unleavened foods are to be eaten. Now the most well-known, I'm sure you all know this unleavened food, it's called matzah. It's like a flat, large cracker, right? Now, there are three reasons why only unleavened bread is eaten traditionally during the time of Passover. The first one is from, as I mentioned, Exodus twelve fifteen. God said, for seven days you're to eat matzah or matzot. But on the first day, you must remove the chametz or the leaven from your houses. For whoever eats chametz, from the first day until the seventh day, that soul will be cut off from Israel. Pretty severe, wouldn't you say? Okay. Traditionally, the beginning of Passover has the head of the house searching for any crumbs or leaven in order to purge their home, in a sense, from sin, right? So the second reason is in Deuteronomy 16.3, God calls it the bread of affliction. For you came out from the land of Egypt in haste. Do this so that all the days of your life you will remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So there again, God, you know, how often does God tell us to remember? And so as we keep this appointed time, we are not only keeping it, but we are remembering, and God calls this the bread of affliction. Now, the third reason that we do this is Scripture constantly uses leaven as a picture of pride, a picture of sin, and even unbelief. Offerings made with flour that contained yeast or leaven were not permitted as part of the normal grain offering in the tabernacle. And we see this in uh, Leviticus 2, verse 11. Now, besides preparing the house for this holy day, we also need to prepare our heart. In 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, it says, Your boasting is no good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old leaven, so you may be a, ba- a new batch just as you are unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, 
not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread, the matzah of sincerity and truth. Amen. Pride or refusing to repent defiles our souls. Wouldn't you agree? And causes us to miss the blessings of God that come through a close walk with him. Sin breaks our relationship with God. As stated in Isaiah 59, 2, Rather, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Our hearts need to be cleansed of sin. This happens as we acknowledge our sins to God, repent, and receive Messiah Yeshua's atonement for us. Amen? Okay. So let's begin and get a little deeper into Passover and and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We know we see this in Leviticus 23, 4 through 8, and we see this uh, in the beginnings of Exodus. uh, Oh, the plagues, I think, start in chapter 5, and we finish the Exodus somewhere in, in Exodus 13. So we, we have a number of chapters having to do with this holy day. Let's look at the background first of Passover. So the Jewish people were in Egypt. They were slaves. And they were slaves not only physically, But I believe emotionally and spiritually, they were slaves as well. And Moses was sent to Egypt to free the Jewish people. And he was sent to free them in all areas. Pharaoh's heart was hardened when Moses came, and God sent these ten plagues. And we see that in Exodus 7 through 12. And it was really a a showing that Israelites could trust the God of their fathers and and the God that God was alive and he was worthy of their worship. And he showed them that the Egyptian gods were really no gods at all. Now, when Moses approached Pharaoh, depending uh demanding, I'm sorry, demanding that uh he would let the people of Israel go, Pharaoh responded by saying, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Exodus 5, 2. And you know, <laughs> boy, that what Pharaoh said is what people are saying currently all around us. Isn't that the question that is still asked today? Who is God? You know, this week I saw the movie, uh, God is Not Dead, uh, the second one. By the way, it is, I'm going to highly, highly recommend that movie. That was great. Same with uh, Miracles from Heaven. That was great, too. But I, I really, and in the movie, God is Not Dead, the question was asked in that movie, who do you say I am? And that's again the question. Who is God? Who is Yeshua? This is the question of the ages. 
And Pharaoh was being very honest. He said, I don't know you. (laughs) So why would I let Israel go? Thus began the challenge to show whose God was more powerful, the gods that people manufactured in Egypt or the one true God of the universe, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, the first plague was all about turning the Nile to blood, right? Which was judgment against the God of the Nile and the guardian of the Nile. The second plague, having to do with frogs, again, uh, was judgment against the frog-headed goddess of birth. Frogs were thought to be sacred in Egypt. The third plague, gnats, was a judgment on the god of the desert. The fourth plague, flies, was a judgment on their gods who were both depicted as flies. The fifth plague, the death of livestock, was a judgment on the gods who were depicted as cattle. The sixth plague, boils, was a judgment uh, against several gods over health and disease. The seventh plague was hail, which came against the sky goddess, the crop fertility god, and the storm god. The eighth plague, locusts, again focused on the later crops protected by certain gods. And the ninth plague was darkness, and this was aimed at the sun god, Ray, who was symbolized even by Pharaoh himself. For three days, the land of Egypt was smothered with an unearthly darkness, but the homes of the Israelites had light. Now, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn male, was a judgment on Isis, the protector of children. In this plague, God was teaching the Israelites a deep spiritual lesson, which pointed to Messiah. Unlike the other plagues, which were based on the identity as God's people, this plague required an act of faith by them. God was asking them to do something. God commanded each family to take an unblemished male lamb and kill it. The blood of the lamb was to be smeared on the top and sides of their doorposts. Any family that did not follow God's instructions would suffer the very last plague, which was the killing of the firstborn. An angel of death killed that firstborn boy. For all those who didn't put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And you know what? We need to do the same thing over our heart, the doorposts of our heart. We do this by faith in Yeshua. Some say that blood is not a Jewish thing. However, we see that in Leviticus 17.11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your lives. For it is the blood that makes atonement because of the life. Blood is required to have your sins atoned for. This is a Jewish thing. Blood saved the firstborn. This obviously was a Jewish thing. The blood of a goat, we find in Leviticus 16, gave atonement 
before Yeshua. This was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And finally, Yeshua was the final blood atonement. So it follows from just the Hebrew Scriptures to the New Covenant. God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He just enlarged what he had already done so we could have a final atonement. And that is something to praise the Lord about, isn't it? So none of these four things give an option. You know how people say, oh, there's more than one way to God. None of these four ways give that option. There's only one way. Now, another interesting thing that I love to talk about concerning the Seder and the Ten Plagues, I'm going to read you a portion of the Haggadah just so you get a sense of what's going on. This section of the Seder is extremely important as it reflects God's intolerance to sin, especially pride, disobedience, and unbelief. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God said the one who sins must die. As harsh as the plagues may seem to us, they remind us that the wages of sin is death. That's Ezekiel 18.4. Now listen to this. The ten plagues that the Lord inflicted upon Egypt not only punished them for their harsh treatment of his people, but also were specifically intended to show Adonai's power and authority over Egypt's gods. Though the plagues on Egypt were the result of their own evil, we do not, as Jewish people, rejoice over their defeat, nor their pain or their suffering. So a full cup of wine is a symbol of joy. Therefore, as we recall the plagues and the destruction each plague caused, we will lessen our joy by removing wine from our cups. So here's the direction given in the Haggadah. As each plague is mentioned, each person drops, uh, takes a drop of wine from the cup with their little finger and allows it to drip on their plate. Again, the significance is we take no joy from our enemies having plagues. So we remove joy from ourselves symbolically. And this reminds me of Galatians 6.2, which is bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Messiah. Or Luke 26, 27 and 8, But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for the ones who mistreat you. Well, I don't know how we got here so quickly, but it is the end of our program today. And so uh, let me just remind you that if you'd like to go to a Seder, uh, call our office. It's not too late, 813-831-5673. If you'd like more information about our March of Remembrance, which is the Remembrance of the Holocaust, Sunday evening, May 1st, again, call us. Uh, it'll be take place on Bayshore Boulevard and Bay to Bay Boulevard, and it's a great time of solidarity and unity. And finally, if you would like our Counting the Omer booklet, you need to get it to today or tomorrow. And uh, again, for a love gift of $10 and three for addition, $3 for additional, we would love to have you get that so that you will grow in the Lord these 50 days. Amen? Look, um, we are always looking for people to help support our program. Please contact us. 
And may I just say that the Lord must be your first priority, and may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Let's close with prayer. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach. Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. 